10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. I am full of tacos and ready to talk. Aw, yeah. Hey, hello. Hello, everybody, and welcome. And welcome. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of Post Credits. (laughs) I always forget I have to speak on that part. (laughs) Our live show that we do every single Saturday night. How are you doing out there, folks? It was a productive day here. Yeah. Um, we also are dealing with the table that's basically being held together by hopes and dreams. More or less, it's just counterbalanced by a bunch of mics here. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's technically working. Yeah. It's only dumb if it doesn't work. Exactly. And Sam's there. Hey Sam. Hey Sam. How's it going? Um, yeah. So we don't have an E. He had some other stuff that he needed to get done today. So it it is just me and Dry in studio at the t- our studio quote unquote quote unquote studio yeah <laughs> uh yeah he had a lot to get done it turns out so it's just gonna be us two and uh whoever happens to join the chat really hint hint wink wink Sam <laughs> yeah, yeah Sam uh, <laughs> if you want to join the voice um that would be great anyway uh oh hey there she is actually. <laughs> And I'll put her in now. Sam! Hey, hey I, I feel like calling so early when you wanted me to makes me seem desperate. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Dry was saying before, I, I really hope Sam calls. I, I really hope she does because it's just going to be me and Rob. And like, we, we have some stuff to talk about, but whether that will last an hour and a half is yet to be seen. Yeah, I'm not sure. I definitely have some rants that I have to put out there. Yeah. Uh, that weren't even in the description because I forgot about them until literally right now. <laughs> I had too much Guinness in my mind. I wasn't able to think about it. Um, full of Guinness and tacos. <laughs> he kind of is. I think you had three snake bites yeah, yeah. tonight. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> the mood fit, Samantha. What can I say? Um, okay. <laughs> um yeah so i'm 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 gonna start off with something because i have like a long list of stuff i know robbie has some stuff uh Mm -hmm. do you have some stuff sam that you've been watching um i have a few things that i've been playing cool that'll work cool we'll get to you here i've watched a few things if i can remember what i watched (laughs) (laughs) okay um so one of the things i want to talk about actually right away is um Rocky, who has been on the podcast a few times, he hasn't been on post credit since like we started doing the live show. Um, Rohit, hi, how's it going? Uh, in chat, um, in the world, not gonna say where we're located, Rohit, <laughs> anyway, somewhere, yes, <laughs> uh, United States is all I'm gonna say, but um, yes. Uh, Rocky, the blackout experiments. Uh, he told me to watch them or uh, watch a documentary called the blackout experiments. That is about about what I learned really is a play more or less called the blackout experience, which 
in theory, like I'm I'm way interested in. Like it sounds really, really cool. I'm way into it. In practice, it literally is just a play that people got like really obsessed with. Because the whole thing about it is you like have to just kind of get lucky. Um, and like give them your email, like, hey, here's my email. I would like to buy tickets to this play. And then if you when they you fill that little form out, they put another thing out like Hey, if you really want a great chance of coming and getting being allowed the privilege of buying tickets to our yeah. play, you have to fill out this survey. And the survey is like a bunch of personal information. Like, hey, like what's your deepest fear as a child? What's your deepest fear now? Uh, how old are you? Do you have any weaknesses? What are you really, really afraid of? Um, what's a fear that keeps you up at night? How many nightmares do you have? Like a bunch of like weird stuff like you have to fill out. Yeah, this sounds like a... This sounds like the plot of a B-rated horror movie. Kind of. <laughs> um, it reminded me of Saw a lot, actually. Um, but yeah, and then like if you're chosen enough, or if like you're scared enough, I don't, I don't know what it is, what the things are that like make it to where you're considered good enough to, to be chosen to give them money. Yeah. Um, then you get to do that, and then they like only do it in L.A. and New York, from the sounds of it, from that. Uh, documentary anyway that like covered it which was a real documentary that just showed like people really obsessed with this play the blackout experience and if you're chosen then you go to the place that they email you they like email you the the midnight of it happening like hey you have like 18 hours to be at this place basically and then be there at this time and if you're at this time and we're able to identify that it's you then you're allowed to come in hey Kyrie in chat um and so you go in and they more or less like put a bag over your head immediately and rush you into like a waiting room, which from like a fr- some of the forums from people that have gone to it that I saw, like you're basically in a waiting room for like an hour in the complete dark and just hearing other people screaming or hearing screaming from the rest of the play going on from people. And then eventually it's your turn to go to the play. And the play is only about 20 minutes. And it's essentially them using the fears and stuff that you put down in what ever survey it is that they have you fill out and you going in and being like, and them like telling you like, Hey, like if you're afraid of suffocation, they're going to put a bag over your head or they're like going to half choke you and yell at you and tell you how worthless you are. And then like, and they're going to do some weird sexual stuff. The one thing that was consistent with every single person in the documentary that they filmed, they had to be naked and wear a trash bag at some point, like every single one of them. Like that's just the criteria. So this is like some weird personalized full contact uh, haunted house then. Yeah, kind of actually. And like, huh. they give you the rules on the website. It's like, Hey, don't touch the walls. Um, don't touch the actors unless you're told to do literally everything you're told to. If you don't, you're kicked out, touch the walls. You're kicked out. If you go off of the beaten path, you're kicked out. Um, if you don't do what they're telling you to do, you're kicked out. So like if they have like a needle and they tell you to stick it in their arm, if you don't do it, you're kicked out like a bunch of very specific things that you have to follow or else you're kicked out of this play. Um, which makes it less scary and more of literally a play, right? Like they don't is sell it actually, as a, is this actually a documentary or like a mockumentary? No, it's a documentary. It's a documentary oh, okay. about <laughs> this play. Uh, you can go online. Look, uh, you can Google right now. The blackout experience. It's a thing. about a play or like yes. real life things. It's a play, but like it's a play that people get obsessed with. That's the thing because it, mm-hmm. they don't like, 
they don't like advertise themselves as being a play, but that really that's what it is. Like when you frame it, they as advertise like, it as an experience. Yes, it's literally called the blackout experience. Yeah. Um, you can Google it right now. You can go to their website. I think if the you go to buy tickets, experiments. Experience. The documentary itself is called the blackout experiments, but the actual thing is the blackout experience. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. So like you can go to their website and they like have pictures and they have like fucking critic reviews of this thing, which makes it more of a play in my mind. And like, it's really strange because in the documentary, one of the first things that they do is like the showrunners, basically the producers, I guess you would call them go out of their way. And say like, Hey, uh, we'll let you film stuff and we'll let you go behind the scenes and see some of the people, but you aren't allowed to ask any questions and we're not going to do any interviews. Okay. Bye. And then like, I think it's filmed through three years or something like that is how, how long the documentary was filmed for. Uh, intermittently and it follows a few people that call themselves survivors and like they have like a really niche facebook group called the survivors there's like 26 people or at least that's how many were in it when the documentary came out okay so i'm reading this um the rule list i don't know if you want me to read all of it yeah read that off it's really okay it says 2019 rules you must walk through alone you must be over 18. You must follow all directions at all times. Stay on the marked path at all times. Do not ever touch an actor unless you are instructed to do so. Do not ever speak unless you are instructed to do so. Do not ever touch the walls. You will be prompted to do certain actions. Do exactly as you're told. This is for your safety. Um, you must wear a protective mask and carry a flashlight. We will provide both of these for you do not bring your own the safety word is safety <laughs> yeah so like it's such if, a weird thing because it seems uh, like you want me to finish <laughs> oh that's not all of them oh yeah sorry um i think that's all the rules mostly but it says if you have an emergency while walking through and need to be escorted out please yell the word safety as loud as you can stay exactly where you are remain calm and someone will get you and bring you out if there is an action you absolutely will not do, please yell the word safety as loud as you can. Stay exactly where you are. Remain calm and if someone and someone will come and get you and bring you out. No, you cannot skip that part, but still continue. Once safety has been called, there are no refunds and there are no options but to leave. And it says, um, please be aware you will encounter fog, strobe lights, loud sounds, complete darkness, Crawling, kneeling, stairs, mild restraint, water, sexual and violent situations. What? Yeah. That's fucked up. Aggressive physical contact. Okay, so you're not allowed to touch them, but they can fuck with you as much as they want. Yeah, like in the documentary, it shows them literally strangling a guy and putting bags over his head to like partially suffocate him. Jesus. I think I may have heard of this or something like this. There's something like it that the guy, um, it's like a guy in his like fucking shed basically, and he just tortures you for 24 hours. Um, it's a little different because of the 24 hours thing. Like this thing is literally you pay. I don't know what the price of the tickets are. I th- I feel like it's probably some sort of exorbitant amount, but it's like 20 minutes literally. Like that's what it is. And then like these people, the very last thing they do is they rush you out of the door, 
and they simulate giving you a tattoo. So like in the dark, they like tackle you down. Two people hold you down and they have a tattoo gun there and you can see the tattoo gun, but they don't actually give you a tattoo. They use like a marker from what it looks like, where they give you like a surface level tattoo, maybe. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to think of the name of it. There are like a uh, temporary tattoos that like kind of simulate going into a tattoo, but it only lasts like about a week or so. Yeah. So like there's, I think your first experience, you always get that. And it's like these three dots and they put it in a very visible place on you. Usually like one guy got it on his forehead and another guy on his neck. I was like, wow, that's super fucked up. They'll just tattoo you. But then later in the documentary, his tattoo is just gone. And it doesn't look like there's any like signs of scarring or removal or anything like that. <laughs> so I think it's just a temporary tattoo that they fuck with you with. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, um, like they're. Sorry, I tried to look at tickets and of course it says, uh, of course, no online or online re- registration is closed. <laughs> so yeah, like... and you can like <laughs> sign up for their email thing and give them your email, which seems to be the only way to really get tickets. Um, because that's the other thing is that if you like it and you decide to go back, they continue the narrative with you because you give them all your information and stuff like that. So they'll continue the narrative. And in the documentary, they follow some people and it goes, they go like four or five times, something like that. And on their final time, they do a quote unquote, very special play for them where they command them to set their house up in a certain way and hold a glass of water and sit in a chair in the middle of a room and they go to your house and they do it there and they like (laughs) drown you partially and like spray you with water and then there's just like a bunch of people in your house like forcing this stuff on you and then the last thing they have you do is say that you're not going to go to blackout ever again and you're not allowed to go back and the people who happened that happened to had like a they're saying I can never go back but like the people seem to be using it as some type of therapy to be quite honest, actually. I mean, that does in a weird way make sense. Uh, I know this is going to be like a super touchy subject, but like, I know that there are victims of things like rape and abuse and stuff like that, that actually use like BDSM as a form of therapy. Yeah. One of like, the people that they were following in the documentary, she was molested as a child and she, she, she opens up about that. She talks about it a little bit, but they use the information to fuck with her in the play. Yeah. But like, I think it's also, um, they'll use the information to fuck with her. But like, from what I hear dealing with the similar situation of what, of something that traumatized you, but having that power to say no is healing to some people. And so I can see that being used as a sense of therapy. That's the thing. They don't let you say no. Well, the yelling out safety, that's kind of there being able to say no. Yeah, but so that's like, the thing. If you say safety, it's done. Yeah. You don't get to keep going. You're done forever. But knowing that they had that knowing that they had that option though is what right. helps some people get through some of these things. Because it's the same thing of like BDSM, because you say out the safety word, they just stopped right then and there. It's not like, okay, like give me a minute. It's they stop. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that that's that's the weird thing. Like some of these people seem to be using it as like a form of therapy without them realizing it. Some people seem to be using it as like they've kind of fetishized it honestly and they're using it in like a sexual manner and then other people seem like they're like just kind of having fun and like going through the story because on their website even i don't know if it you can see it there sam but it even does say like we assure you there is a cohesive narrative throughout the entire thing um <laughs> so like it's not just going in there being yelled at like how miserable you are there's also a narrative that you like you're being forced to take part in it's a very weird thing <sighs> 
there hmm. I don't know if this is a movie or if it was like a podcast I listened to about something that actually happened. It might have been a podcast but <laughs> it even exists at all. But I've um heard about like a um a thing where you basically get kidnapped. You're like in a group and you all get kidnapped and like um this I think it's actually real god I can't remember though like I was trying to fucking google it I can't remember but it's sort of like the same sort of thing um uh, where you uh it's just like a extreme role play sort of thing and then you have to like suffer and it's awful and you get abused and shit I think I listened to a podcast on it. I don't know. Um, that sounds like a real thing, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it does yeah. sound like, like something I'm more looking, Like I'm, I'm looking, like Googling up like extreme like role play kidnapping. Or extreme whatever, role play kidnapping a, prices. That is a thing. <laughs> that is a thing. So like it's illegal? Question <laughs> mark. I mean, I don't think it's illegal if like you're. Um, I mean, if you sign a waiver, yeah, I was gonna say if you sign a waiver and give consent. But I was gonna say like it does sound like some of the more extreme uh, full contact haunted houses because like full contact haunted houses, like people tackle you over and like will tie you up and stuff like. Like I remember seeing previews of a one of the more extreme uh, full contact haunted houses, and like they had a guy tied up on a wall and they put a cage over his head and they're like putting fake blood or they're like pouring fake blood over his head while like doing all these things and like. They'll do that or like uh, there's another one where like they'll just like take people out of the group and kidnap them and put them in a room and like yeah. force them to lay in a bed while they read them scary stories and like do weird things like that. Then like they have to try to convince them to like bring them back into the group and like, no, this is my pet kind of thing. And like do weird things like that to like tell a narrative. Uh, the closest I've ever experienced is uh, there are some escape rooms uh, around here that are kind of like that. Uh, the closest one that I had to that is there's one that we went to wherever they had actors in there for the escape room and they would just like mess with our puzzles as we were doing the experiment. Like they would like, (laughs) if we needed something or like they would make it seem like we needed something by like taking it and like pulling it out of the room and then like making us beg for it or beg for us, making us beg to get it back. Ha I can speak English tonight. Um, I think for me, one of the scarier things that happened and apparently I was the only one who saw it was uh towards the beginning well because like what they do is they hand they handcuffed us to a wall was the very first thing they did and said okay undo the handcuffs and then walked out of the room and we had to like try to figure it out and there was like a puzzle in the mirror and while because i did this with gel and gel was trying to like solve the puzzle and i looked or i ended up looking to the side and one of the actors just had a mask on and he pulled the machete out and he's like looking at the machete and then he looked at me and then he stuck the machete in the wall and oh. I was the only one who saw it. So it was a real machete that he was wielding and like threatening huh. us with it the entire time. And apparently I was the only one who knew it was real. Everyone thought it was a fake one. Cool. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> but that was like the most extreme. Like the, besides that, uh, at one point in time, I was backing up to give someone some room and I backed up into one of the actors. Like it, I didn't like run into her or anything. I kind of like barely bumped her and she yelled out ow and ran away kind of thing. So like there was like never any like a, a sense of physical contact the right. entire time like that was the most that happened uh other than that like yeah it was a fun experience to like just have people messing with your puzzles while you're trying to solve them for yeah. an escape room though i feel like i would get annoyed be like motherfucker yeah. to be fair the puzzle piece to be fair they I actually did help us a handful of times but 
Go on. If I can do it on my own. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad at like the escape room thing. The Me too, honestly, it, but they're super bad. fun. They are. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, but like I, w- I would be really interested in doing this blackout experience thing if it wasn't in New York or LA. Right. Like if they somehow did like one in, in our area, that would be cool. But they don't. <laughs> Why would you want to do that? <laughs> Sounds it would awesome. experience. Yeah, it would just be kind of cool to like see how far they really push it because there's a lot of stuff in the documentary, the blackout experiments. Which I hate that the words are so similar. Um, but like it there's specifically stuff that they don't allow to show. So out of like the twenty minutes that you see with certain people, you see maybe two of those minutes. Well, so you it don't said like what... you're gonna get um, sexually abused shit. Yeah, like <laughs> that. That's the thing. They make everybody be naked, and the last thing they do with everybody yeah. is they rush them out the door after they give them that fake tattoo or uh, temporary tattoo or whatever it is. Um, they rush them out the door, and then you literally are stuck out on the street with a bag of your clothes, and you have to run down the street half naked, basically, with a trash bag on you. What the fuck? Huh. It's super fucked up. Uh, it's Sue's so weird. I wonder if the. Oh, sorry. Read it. Uh, Sue's nine two six says, "Don't have those up here in Alaska. Would be cool to go to an escape room. Escape rooms are honestly really awesome. Yeah, they're really really fun because it gives you this like great sense of being really smart, even though <laughs> even though like you're not because like puzzles are set up really well. If it's a good escape room, yeah." But there's like it also depends on like the group you're with or like how seriously they're taking it. Um, yeah, it's 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 insane. Also, uh, Tyler Durden, which uh, great name, says uh, dude just needs to get whipped, which I assume that that's talking about, about the blackout experience thing. Yeah, I don't know if you hear that in the background or not. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, it's yeah. Fun. Hey, what can I say, though? Every now and then, you just need a good whipping. Yeah, every now and again, you just got to get a little whipped. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes you got to pay top dollar for it. I don't know yeah. what to say. <laughs> I mean, for when it comes to some of those niche experiments like that, like usually whenever somebody really wants an experience like that, they'll pay top dollar for it. Yeah, like here, the thing that I think is really funny, though, about the whole blackout experience thing or the blackout experiments, the documentary part is that like the people who were subjects of the documentary didn't know if the documentary crew was in on the whole thing and like feeding information to the the play people. And so like they had like tons of interviews are like I don't know if you're involved or not. I don't know if I accidentally let you in my house and you learned a bunch of secrets about me that they're using against me. But like people seemed to not be able to stop going. It was really strange. Like almost cult like. It was very weird. Like they really got into this play. Hmm weird it's yeah it, it does sound rather interesting though like i want to i kind of want to see this documentary i do recommend the documentary i think it's interesting i don't think it's amazing just because production value right but it is short it's like an hour 16 or something like that it's super short it's on amazon prime if you have a prime membership um if not i think it's like three dollars to rent or something but yeah it's just the blackout experiments okay yeah that does sound interesting though yeah. Also, Sam, quick question. Are you near a fan? No. Or maybe a boiler room? <laughs> my, uh, breathing. <laughs> Can you hear it now? Maybe? No. Okay. 
<laughs> if you could just stop breathing, Sam, that would be fantastic. I try not to breathe. She's <laughs> gotten really good at holding your breath doing these podcasts. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a lot longer than I thought that would be on that one. Uh, Robbie, why don't you talk about a thing? So yeah, uh, there's a couple things that I watched this week that I wanted to talk about. Uh, I got on a weird kick for like 1970s dystopian films. Which is like, what does that even mean? <laughs> so, okay, so like the first one that I watched, because it's something that's on HBO Max and it's going away like basically tomorrow because it's going to be at the end of the month that they t- get rid of it, uh-huh. is um, I, like Logan's Run, which Logan's Run, it's real dumb, but it's kind of fun at the same time with like the 1970s dystopian thing. But like I knew it was a cult classic, which is why I wanted to watch it. For sure. Uh, that is actually based off a book, I think, off of the same name. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but it's based off a book wherever um takes place in this, like this futuristic society after this great war that they had where like the survivors ended up living in this dome and inside this dome like they have a limited amount of resources to where like you know like you you can live rather well but only when there's a certain amount of people there and so like to keep the population in control once you reach the age of 30 they they just uh they end up killing you unless you can get renewed which they have a, a process called carousel where you can try to fight for a renewal. And uh, basically like carousel is really weird too. Cause like it does like begin the movie by showing you what carousel is where all these people that have these little red gems in their palm start to blink once they hit 31, I think is what it is. Huh. Or, yeah. So like on the thir- their 31st birthday, like it starts to beep. And uh, so like they'll all get in like these kind of, kind of these weird robes uh, almost ceremonial <laughs> 31 is the old alert like, yeah. this motherfucker's aging <laughs> P- pretty much which apparently the the funny thing i found out about that movie is i guess in the book it's 21 but the lead actor that they wanted for the movie was 33 at the time and so they're like yeah 30s is better they're like we, <laughs> we, we can believe this guy's in his late 20s but not in his early 20s <laughs> they're not doing like grease levels of like this person's clearly 75 and it's saying it's there like 16 in high school. <laughs> yeah, they weren't they weren't dealing with like, that. I was talking to Liz about this the other day. Greece fucked me up forever on thinking how old high school is supposed to look. <laughs> well, that's just like what 90s dramas are too. Like, yeah. Everyone is like in their 30s. Yeah. <laughs> they're supposed to be in like high but school. But they're 17 and dealing with teenage problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, they didn't want to do that. Like they wanted to make it seem somewhat realistic on that. But yeah, like with the whole carousel thing, uh, like when they all go into the circle and like all of them start to float. And if they're not, uh, if they're not chosen for renewal, they just blow up when they're in the, in midair. And it's done in this like really weird Coliseum thing wherever like everybody in the dome gets to watch it happen and they get to cheer on whenever people are being blown up. And so it was Twitter. Kind of- <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's one way to look at it. Nineteen seventies <laughs> Twitter is carousel. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's that, and then like uh, also Logan plays someone who is called a Sandman, which is more or less kind of a police officer in the dome. And what they do is they uh, Sandman tend to chase runners, which are people who have reached thirty one or like are over the age that they're supposed to be, and they don't want to participate in carousel. So since they're trying to run away from you know from dying, they're called runners, and Sandman are the ones who kind of put them in the long sleep if you will okay and so like it's his job to hunt these people down and eventually he's given this task to uh because they say that there is like 1053 people that are 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 yeah 1053 runners that are unaccounted for it's like wait that's impossible because like we have like the gem in their hand kind of works as a gps so they can track them down who's a runner and who like needs to be 
put or put to sleep like an arch situation arc situation rather yeah more or less and like but they say there's over a thousand that are unaccounted for and that they're part of this thing called sanctuary and like they have this onk that's supposed to be the symbol of sanctuary of like you know people who are too old to live in the society like a place for them to go so that way they don't have to die at the age of 30 and uh they say it's your job to find the sanctuary He's like, well, how am I supposed to find it? And it's like, oh, it's like you will become one of them. And they are, even though he has extra time, uh, his gem starts to beep. And he says, like, they basically say he's 26 because he's like, I have four years left. Like, will I get my time back? And the computer never says, like, whether he's going to get his time back or not. And they basically pose him as someone who's going to be a runner looking for sanctuary. So it kind of works as like this weird double agent. Okay. Sounds interesting, right? Yeah. Kind of silly. <laughs> it, it, it gets real dumb real fast with a lot of weird things that they do. Yeah, futuristic 70s movie. It really is. Uh, one of the futuristic 70s movies that I watched actually takes place in the far, far future of 2022. Um, <laughs> but anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Um, I don't know if, well, we're probably never going to watch for the podcast. I can keep talking about it and spoil yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, anyways, he starts looking for like people who know about it. And like, they have a kind of an interesting system to where like the youngest children uh, wear yellow and they're known as cubs. And then people who are like the mid range, somewhere between like the age of 16 and 21, wear this green garb to like show how old they are with that time. And then like the people who are getting up in age, people who are like, you know, maybe 22 to 30, uh, wear red garb. And it, uh, goes with the color of gem on their hands. Like when they're young, it's yellow. It turns green when they're in their twenties, and when they're getting closer to their time, it turns red. And then whenever they get to thirty-one, it starts blinking to Gotta show say, that their time is up. As somebody who's about to turn thirty, this this the synopsis is fucking with me. Yeah, I mean, someone who is thirty watched this movie recently, so you know, <laughs> you're old. I know. I'm still young <laughs> for a week. <laughs> you're so old. Sam, shut up, runner. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had to. Um, But yeah, and like, so he's like looking for this society, and like he finds this girl, like, because like it does this weird random thing. Like, HBO says this movie's rated PG. I don't buy it. If 70s PG is different than current PG, I mean, there's a scene in the movie where they straight up walk through an orgy. 70s PG sure <laughs> anyways uh, i mean it was before pg-13 yeah it, it was like this was 1976 when this one came out yeah we didn't get pg-13 till after gremlins yeah so anyways um like this girl that like she was basically a hooker if you will like he kind of assigned her to a room to have sex with her and she decided she didn't want to have sex with the sandman and he realized that like part of what it might bar that on top of uh the first runner that it actually shows him chasing after uh had a his face redone so they wouldn't be able to recognize him and he realized that it was done post 30s so someone's trying to help these runners escape and he's trying to and so like he uses that as like his way of like okay like maybe i can find these people and talks to her saying like listen i'm a runner now like i thought that i would uh be i thought like you know i'd be okay with this but i'm not like i need to find a way to find sanctuary can you help me and he finds out like there's like this underground society where sanctuary are is like kind of getting rid are kind of like moving these people out of the city. Yo, I got a question. So how long is this movie? It's almost two hours long. Like everything I'm describing to you right now happens in the first 30 minutes. It's like all of this movie exposition. The first part of it kind of, yeah, (laughs) like uh, carousel, the runners, Sandman and uh, what they do. And like what 
they do with the runners when they find them all happen in the first 10 minutes of that, this movie. Like, okay. It happens fast. Like I know Logan's run is considered like a cult classic and it's one that I've never gotten around to. I probably never will if I'm being entirely honest with you. Yeah. Like this movie, it gets like, it tries to take itself seriously at first, which I'm getting through all that. to like, get to some of the dumb stuff that happens later sure. on. But, um, this movie, like, the idea of it is really cool. It kind of has almost like a minority report feel to it, if you will. I, I, I do remember liking minority report. Yeah, it kind of has like that sort of feel to it almost, but silly 70s future dystopian movie vibe to it. Um, But yeah, like that happens. He's trying to find sanctuary. Uh, he says that he's going to get his face redone to try to find out who, you know, who this doctor is that's doing this. Uh, doctor tries to kill him. And his best friend finds out that he's like trying to get his face redone and stuff like that during this time. And like, that's a whole dumb scene because the doctor tries killing him during the scene. The and then the movie he ki- become fun. <laughs> <laughs> it becomes fun in a dumb way. It's like, it's after it's like once they actually leave the dome, because like that happens, uh, they find the society, like the people who are like trying to push people out of uh, through sanctuary which is under done underneath the city and like underneath the city is basically just like, you know, very sewers of New York feel almost. But <laughs> is it sewers of New York feel as in like, well, like they definitely just filmed this in a New York. It sewer. kind of felt like that. Yeah. <laughs> For like what's underneath the dome. But like that happens and like his friend is chasing him. Like, Cause like, uh, yeah, Logan has a, another Sandman who's a friend of his and he's chasing him this entire time, not knowing exactly what's going on. Um, like that happens. Uh, they do eventually reach outside the city, which is this real dumb scene wherever. Cause like they're down in the sewers and then like they go, once they get outside the dome, it's like really cold. And so they have to take off their wet clothes. And so there's a scene where they just strip down and get naked to like put on furs. It's seventies. You have to do it. Yeah, pretty you much. You have like, to have tits I, and ass in your film in the seventies or else was it even a film made in the seventies? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. That's kind of how it felt with like that. And like, Whenever, like, after the scene after the doctors, wherever, like, he fights the doctor, like, the doctor gets killed by his own lasers that are used to, like, rearrange people's faces so they look different. Um, that's, like, it was after that scene, like, they're getting chased by the Sandmen, and they end up going through an orgy, basically. And so there's tits and ass everywhere with that scene. I am really questioning how they got PG. Still. Same. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe this wasn't rated PG, because there's another movie I watched that... Says it's PG on HBO, but whenever I looked it up on Google, it said it was rated R. Huh. So, but we'll get to that here in a bit. I'm trying to go through it as fast as I can. Sure. But yeah, like when they're in like this freezer thing, they find out, you end up finding out that like what happens is like all the fish in the ocean started to die. And so like all the people who were part of Sanctuary were frozen and basically being like chopped up to be seafood, quote unquote, by this robot that can't really tell the difference. And there's like this weird fight scene with this robot. Uh-huh. Um that happens they go out into the real world they find out like everything's in ruins and they're still trying to find sanctuary but can't really find it you find out the domes near washington dc because like they go to like the washington monument and they see um they go to the lincoln memorial and then they go in- inside the lincoln memorial which is all covered in you know vines and everything because post dystopian world and everything sure um, sure they look at him and like wow this must be what an old person looks like <laughs> <laughs> No, no, you just have to look at Sam's profile picture. <laughs> Ouch. Really? Uh, you're old. old, according to this film. I don't know what to tell you, what the Sam. Fuck? <laughs> well, an old person looks pretty good. <laughs> but yeah, like, that happens. Um, inside of the, um, 
I guess the Capitol building is where this next part takes place. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm just trying to go through this movie as fast this as possible. This movie sounds really boring. It, it, it's interesting, but it's <laughs> it's dumb seventies at the same time. <laughs> um, once they go inside of the Capitol building, they actually find an old man that's living there, like a guy in his like sixties or seventies. And he explained that like he grew up with his mother and father out there and he's been by himself and he just like lives with a bunch of cats. So he's a crazy old cat guy in a weird way. (laughs) And like they start asking him a bunch of questions about the outside world. And like basically they just don't understand how any of this works because like they grew up inside the dome and that's all they know there. But like there's like this the way they talk about the dome in this scene was really weird because it makes it seem like they basically just have people that their entire job is just make babies. And like there's because like they have a um, apparently like a part of the dome that like no one has ever seen wherever like all the children just come out of it. And so like they basically just have they just farm children through there is what is kind of like the weird uh, disposition of it because like they have no idea what natural childbirth is. Right. Like and they also have no idea what marriage is because like people just fuck in the dome. They just they don't, you know, commit to any one person like theoretically there's stuff in here that sounds really interesting yeah and that's what it is is there's like a lot of crap that's piled on top of stuff that actually is interesting all in all to really sum if you're okay with like dumb 70s exposition stuff you'll be fine with this movie right and, like there's so much happening in this like i feel yeah. like you don't get a time to enjoy it because it seems like it's trying to explain things to you the whole time yeah well some of it's in the background too like it just kind of like it hints at some of the stuff but like other stuff you just it is very in the forefront but like basically with that they've basically realized that there is no sanctuary that like the sanctuary was a lie that was fed to these people and like most like most if not all the people who try to leave sanctuary just got frozen by that robot right and so they find out like the world is in ruins outside but like he comes to the realization that like because he tries to justify his job as a sandman saying like it's a very necessary thing to do to help with the population control because they make it still seem like there has to be a certain amount of people there, which is why they have to kill them at a certain age and why they can only have so many babies. And like population control is very, very like on the nose. Like it has to be this many people. And like they also show that like nobody wins at carousel. They just basically use it as an execution squad to get rid of old people. Right. And um, they also um, like I said, in a weird way, that computer was just trying to kill Logan, which also a thing I forgot to say, like once they actually leave the dome, uh, their gems on their palms just reset they turn white like they just stop emitting light so they technically got renewal by leaving the dome but at the same time they feel like they can't return because they got renewal i'm i've got to say robbie you're doing whatever the opposite is of selling me on a movie (laughs) i mean this movie's kind of dumb anyways the in a weird way like i'm getting to the scene that it it was probably one of the better scenes just because it made me laugh. Like, I feel it, like you can just was... explain that scene and we got to move on. <laughs> this is too, this is too long about a movie. That sounds really boring. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't watch better movies. I'm starting next. with this one because it was honestly the worst that I watched right next to like the other one that me and dry will eventually start talking about. You got, you got to yeah. keep, you got to get to the part where it's actually something fun and we got to move on. <laughs> so we've spent 20 minutes on a movie. That's boring. But anyways, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. When they're in the Capitol building, there's a scene where he ends up fighting his best friend and killing him because he has to. Realizes that what they're doing in the dome is wrong and that they don't have to live uh, the lives in the dome the way that they do and that they have to go back because they're going to keep killing people. So they go back to the dome. Uh, they sneak back in and they need to show people the old man to show that it's possible to live past the age of 30. They go inside the dome and there's like this really dumb scene where they're like, you don't have to go to carousel. You don't have to die at 30. You can live. Live. <laughs> and then they're kidnapped or not kidnapped. They're 
captured by the Sandman. He's brought back to like the main base place and like the um the computer starts to interrogate him saying like where is sanctuary and they put him in like this weird device wherever like his thoughts are being shown and so like there's like him in the center in this cage with like these five screens with his head just kind of like moving around in a circle and whenever it asks where sanctuary is like the head just starts saying there is no sanctuary and like it's meant to be ominous but it comes off real dumb real dumb 70s future sci-fi yeah but like uh the computer can't accept the fact that there is no sanctuary and that the world is in ruin outside the dome and starts to overload because plot convenient reasons and such and then like somebody like uh he ends up getting out of the cage because the computer can't handle what it's being told or handle what it's being told and says it cannot compute it uh, they end up fighting, fighting the Sandmen, uh, end up exploding the computer and like the entire dome just like kind of goes up in flames and it kind of like shows that like people no longer live inside the dome and they're able to like live out in the real world and like therefore they can actually live and die of old age and everything. And it, cool. it's kind of it, that one was dumb. That was probably the dumbest movie that I watched out of the four. But that one is going away on HBO Max. Huh? <laughs> can I talk about a movie? Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> yeah. Before that, I got to say. I'm really glad I never watched this movie. Yeah, it, it's it, it's not your movie. Like this is one of those. If you're okay with like dumb '70s cheesiness, that movie is fine. Uh, other than that, like it has some good ideas, but really bad execution. It just seems like exposition. The film, eh, kind of, because <laughs> there is a lot of world building that happen happens in that movie. But eh, yeah. Like I said, you find out about Carousel Sandman, the 30 year age or um, age. Uh, stop and all this other stuff all this other stuff within the first 10 minutes of the movie yeah i'm out so yeah i'm out <laughs> but what was the movie that you watched sam well it's a movie i watched a long time ago but um <laughs> your sci-fi thing uh made me remember it it's really weird i don't know if anybody has really seen it but it has like a lot of actors in it <laughs> um it came out in 99 it's called existence existence because like oh, it has a Z yeah. instead of a or c e like i always 90s. remember seeing that case in like rental stores like video rental stores if you, people remember what that is um yeah world it has jude law in it right like That's i always remember seeing day. that and then immediately thinking of late night extends commercials so um like the thing of it is like i guess there's like this video game developer or whatever i don't know anyway there's this vr thing and they have to like save the world or something i don't fucking know anyway basically there's this controller and it's like an organic weird controller that like basically plugs into uh here let me send you a picture um, Does it basically it plugs into you and it looks like an umbilical cord? Anyway, it's a really fucking weird movie. I think it's good, <laughs> but also like bad. Maybe I'm not sure. That picture you sent me is what plugs into them. Yeah, that's a controller for the like VR thing. Um, that's yeah. not what controllers look like. I know. It's really weird. I, w- it's a really I weird really movie. wish that I could like put this in chat somehow, but I can't. Yeah. Uh, I the best I can describe it, it kind of looks like a weird mandrake root, but like with rounded edges. 
and with an umbilical cord on the center of it. No, it just looks like a weird um, misshapen uh, like fetus. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> like, it looks me, like skin. It looks like skin, but like shiny sort of. I don't know. Yeah, it looks like skin, but like what if it was like a foot, but with two big, big toes instead of ever, all the like little toes, really just deformed. two big toes. Yeah. <laughs> and like crown crones. And the cord looks like an umbilical cord that you just like plug in to you. It's really. Are you sure weird. this movie's good? <laughs> no. <laughs> it was weird though. It was weird. And like, I feel like a lot of people don't ever talk about it. And like, it has a lot of like real actors in it. <laughs> so... Real and... actors. A David. Um... David Cronenberg, that's the director. Oh, that. oh, that makes more sense now. Okay. Yeah. Weird. Really, really weird. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I this. Are... <laughs> okay. This next movie, I won't go nearly as much into detail for. Thank you. I feel like Dry actually may want to see it at some point in time. It is another weird one though, and part of me wants to like it, but it's hard to like it at the same time. Okay. Um, is a movie called THX one one three eight. Which one one three eight? Yeah, THX one one three eight. Thanks one one three eight. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, that movie. Uh, the reason why I think Dry would be interested to watch it is this is the very first film that George Lucas ever did. I believe it. I here's the problem though. I don't think he's a good filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting though. Like, uh, it was. I guess it actually started out in 1967 as a short film he did whenever he was in college for filmmaking. And so then I'm because at, um, I'm looking at pictures from it, it just looks like a bunch of bald people sitting kinda. in empty rooms with white walls. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, pe- bald people with uh, a giant white void is a big theme in a weird way for this movie. Okay, um, it does deal a lot with like uh, this kind of Orwellian dystopia of. Um, people just like kind of being cogs in a giant machine if you will and like once that person's no longer working as a cog like either being corrected or just taken out of the machine uh there is a lot of things that i did like about that movie uh the description that i originally read about it is uh it takes place in this future where everybody takes these or like takes these pills like push back their emotions in a weird way and thx1138 and his roommate, L-U-H-3414, I think is what it is. Like, everybody's name is an exposition like that. They kind of show, like, their personality is taken away, and they're just, like, given this number. Okay. Uh, Sounds they like stop- that one pretentious movie with, uh, what's his name? God, I can never fucking remember his name. Justin Timberlake. Uh, no, Joker. <laughs> oh, oh, Jared Leto. Jared Leto. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Good Boy? Mr. Nobody? Mr. Nobody. Mr. Nobody, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this movie's different. <laughs> um, but like uh, the thing is, like the basic premise of that movie is like uh, they start taking their pills less and less and they start to fall in love with each other. That's like the first 30 minutes of this movie. And then like it goes off into like this weird Orwellian nightmare afterwards. So like that is a very small plot point. But like it's like kind of where the movie gets kicked off. But like it deals with like, you know, the whole the whole white big old white void is like after they found out that he uh stop taking his pills like, he kind of goes in like this weird correctional facility to like bring him back to where he can be useful again it deals a lot with like capitalism and 
in like this weird bureaucratic system and it's very anti-capitalism in a weird way uh ford francis capiola i think is his name guy who directed the godfather coppola? yeah coppola thank you uh he actually helped make this movie too because he actually liked the vision that george lucas had for the movie hmm. and it was like this weird independent movie that was backed by wb that now has a cult following to it hmm. and like it does some stuff really well. The thing that pisses me off about that movie is it's so goddamn abstract. Like there's a lot of <laughs> cool things that they do that could be used as world building for this movie, but they use the attitude of like, are uh, they kind of treat it as in like, Oh, you should already know what this is like moving on. Kind of I mean, thing. that's very student film. Like, well, the thing about it, cause like I watched a little mini documentary about the making of that movie afterwards. Cause like I wanted to understand more cause there's things I liked about it, but they were just kind of like, push to the side and like okay this doesn't matter anymore and that kind of attitude almost and apparently George Lucas was a really big uh, Kawasaka fan and he really liked how in Japanese media like they just kind of let you decide what the meaning was for certain things and he said he wanted to do that for this movie so a lot of the abstractness and a lot of them just like oh yeah this is something that's in the world but we're not going to explain it to you he does that on purpose and it's kind of in a way like it could be better if they actually had a little bit of exposition because they have zero exposition about all these different things. But the whole like bureaucratic capitalist society that they're in is really interesting. And I do like a lot of things about that movie, but there's a lot of things that I really didn't like at the same time. So I have a lot of mixed feelings about that movie, but I feel like maybe you'd be interested in seeing it, but I don't know. It's another cult classic movie. Yeah. Uh, Kyrie here in chat. Uh, I think when it, when you said the, ball people in a white room blank thing kind of thing mm -hmm. uh she said the giver uh which that's kind of actually the first thing that happened in my head too was thinking about that uh whenever i watch that movie uh you're probably not gonna like this uh wait uh there's like this weird prison scene in the ready player one books not in the movie the books uh <laughs> the way that they described like this weird kind of like work camp environment to where like people there are kind of prisoners but they're also kind of volunteers that work for this giant corporation and like given the minimum amount to do their job in a weird way. It kind of reminded me of that, but like, because corporations kind of, yeah, <laughs> like this is like a corporation of where like the self of it's like a corporation of um, a self-contained society that like basically keeps itself running. But in order to do that, like they basically make it to where like uh, they give their, like they give all the employees money, but all the, uh, all the employees are like spending the money on the things that they're already making to keep this self-contained society moving. And like, if they're not working the way that they're supposed to, then they're taken out of society and put into correctional facilities. And like the way that it kind of like makes it like said in that weird Orwellian way, cause it's very authoritarian is a good way to put it too. Mm -hmm. of like, you know, there's no like central bad guy as much as it's like uh, systematically all this stuff is put into place by like in a weird way, unseen unknown like mega corporations almost in a weird way like it's it's hard to explain it but i think part of what's hard to explain about it is that the movie's so goddamn abstract I in mean, everything that it does student film yeah that's I, that's what that's what student film is i mean to be fair though like the student film it's based off of though is 15 minutes long and it's literally like it it's it's very abstract, but it's in a way that works as a student film with this one. Like, I feel like they needed a, a little bit more to explain with it. I think, and that's what's frustrating about it. It's one of those, I could see where they were going in like ways that it worked. And there's actually a couple things that he used in this movie that kind of bled over to star Wars, like the 
used future of like everything's futuristic but it's also dirty and grimy and has scratches on it and, and you can tell it's been used for years kind of thing yeah like that's the thing when i say like i don't think george lucas is a good filmmaker most of the things like 90 percent of the things that work in star wars are in spite of george lucas not because of him <laughs> yeah like most of the stuff that you see from the prequel prequels that i really hate like Jar Jar and like all of the big special effects and stuff like that. That was stuff he originally wanted in Star Wars and people had to tell him no. So then when the prequels came around and Star Wars was this huge thing where everyone decided like George Lucas is a genius suddenly, nobody told him no anymore. So he was able to put all that stupid, dumb bullshit in his movie and nobody told him no. Like I and like everything he did after <laughs> after I think I think he has two good films in his entire career, honestly. Uh, episode four of Star Wars, episode five of Star Wars, both really good, great films. Episode six is okay, but I really don't like how it ends. He's not done anything good at all since then. He's not. He's. I just. I don't. I don't think he's a good filmmaker. I think he's yeah. actually pretty bad at it. Like I said, with this movie, I'm kind of on the fence about it. Like I might watch it again and give you a different or see what I think afterwards. But that first viewing, it was just. It felt confusing. And yeah, which it kind of led to mixed feelings about it. And like I said, there's certain things that like felt like it should have been a main plot, which kind of just get pushed to the side that I was kind of eh about. Yeah. And the third dystopian movie that I watched was Soylent Green. Fits in with uh, the movie that we watched today. Yeah. Uh, that was the movie that takes place in the far future of 2022. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much you know about that movie. I've seen but, it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then you know where that movie goes and everything. <laughs> yeah. That was probably my favorite of what I watched out of all of them. Like that one was just, in my opinion, just done well that's the that's the reveal i was expecting in i'll just say it the movie that we watched today for the for podcast was uh stri- oh, i can't why can't i think <laughs> snow piercer snow piercer it's literally right in front of me snow piercer <laughs> um like the part where like they have the little food bars i thought it was literally gonna be food bars are people food bars are people <laughs> protein blocks are paypal yeah like that's what i thought they were gonna go with yeah obviously just... which yeah and i think that's one of those things like uh so like green was actually uh ruined for me before and like that's how i found out about it is like someone was making a joke and like the punchline to his joke was Soylent Green is people it's like yeah. what the hell are you talking about it's like oh it's this old movie called Soylent green and so like i found out about it that way and then like after i watched these other two dystopian movies i saw Soylent green it's like fuck it i'm watching it yeah also, Sam, the movie you you're saying in chat, the movie you were thinking about wasn't Mr. Nobody, but it was something called Equals. Yeah, I've never even heard uh, of that one. Same. 2015 movie with Kristen Stewart and another person that I don't know. Anyway, it's like another like sci-fi dystopian, like sci-fi. Well, not dystopian, really. I've literally never yeah. even heard of it. Um, I think that was the one I was thinking of. I don't. Uh. <laughs> all the dystopian sci-fis are just all blending in together now. They are. <laughs> it might have been that one, but it might have also been Equilibrium. <laughs> okay, Equilibri- <laughs> Equilibrium is one of those movies like. I don't think I've ever watched this, but every time I sit down and watch it, it's like, yeah, I've seen this before. And that's happened like five times. <laughs> I don't know why. Not- I think it's a good movie, isn't it? <laughs> it's Equilibrium okay. has some good parts. Yeah. <laughs> is it that for it, it has some, yeah. <laughs> Or is it so just Gun- me? Or- 
so equilibrium has some really like cool ideas and everything like honestly some of the stuff that happens in equilibrium is uh rather similar to stuff that happens in thx one one three four three eight and the matrix uh, and the matrix uh but yeah it's like a... yeah i was gonna say like there's some cool scenes that happen in equilibrium and then gung fu and then some really cool scenes and then like weird emotional stuff that doesn't really need to be in the movie yeah. yeah. See, I like, can't even like I I can't I know I've seen this movie multiple times, I can't even remember all the way any through it. of it. I think I have sat all the way through it. I just don't remember it. It's like really weird. It's like erased Gen- from my memory every time I finish it. <laughs> Genuinely, Sam, I know I've seen that movie multiple times. Couldn't tell you how it ends. After the I first know, thirty right? minutes, I have no idea what happens. I remember how it ends. It ends really <laughs> dumb, actually, but I believe it. But like, yeah, like it's just I think after a certain point that movie's just really forgettable actually so i don't think that mm. you're i don't think you're in the so wrong it's not just me <laughs> no <laughs> like even the, like i remember that movie was super hyped up for me whenever uh before i had seen it like they're like oh yeah it's like the matrix but better and then i watched it and i was like yeah this movie's kind of dumb like it has a good <laughs> idea behind it but it's real dumb yeah um real quick let's move on to um some wandavision you said, Robbie, you finally watched the first four episodes. Mm-hmm. What did you think of those first four episodes? Because I've talked about WandaVision every week since it started coming out. I mean, it's all right, but I don't hate like old sitcoms either. Yeah, I think that's sort of the barrier of entry. Like it, how yeah. you feel about old sitcoms is going to kind of be how you feel about the first five episodes of that show. Yeah, and that I do agree with you, though. Like the sitcom stuff is very, very weak and like the weird stuff happening in the background. That's where the real meat and potatoes of the show is at, but they're taking forever to get to that. <laughs> I'm going to say episode eight is the one that just came out. Um, all the plot that happens in episode eight could have just not happened because it's <laughs> all backstory about Wanda that we already knew. It was really kind of annoying. Like, it's cool to be able to see it, I guess. And it reframes like why it's sitcom and stuff like that. So it does explain that at least instead of just being a framework. Yeah. It explains its framework at least. But man, that episode didn't fucking need to exist. <laughs> and it was the longest episode of the show thus far. Lovely. Yeah. Like, <sighs> yes. Uh, Kyrie says wasted 42 minutes of my life. Yeah. It's 42 minutes of like things we literally already knew that we were told about. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I was going to say like the one thing that, uh, cause I'm watching it with gel. And yeah. one thing that she said was that the thing that she hates the most is how long the credit scenes are with every single episode. Yes. And the, I'm, I'll tell you this right away. Uh, the only episodes that have had post credit scenes are episode seven and episode eight. So you don't need to watch through all the credits of the right. And that, that's to. the thing is like, after like the first two episodes, we started like, I started just like fast forwarding through all of it, but like, there isn't like a next episode button for it until yeah. you go through all the credit scenes. That's true. So you just have to fast forward through what feels like 10 minutes worth of credits. It is. It's it's six to 10 minutes of credits every fucking episode because mm-hmm. they got a whole film crew to work on it. Right. But like, and man, that is one thing that I did tell uh, Angelica, too, is that or gel. Sorry, that um, the thing about it with like this whole big crew and everything, I think that's one reason why they did it in the way that they did with how the early episodes, like the weird stuff only happens in very small snippets. It's because it's very easy and very cheap to like film these sitcoms in the way that they did, but they probably did it that way. So that way they could put the meat of their budget into doing the CGI stuff 
whenever they do do it and have it still be like Avengers quality of uh, CGI for all of it. Yeah, like the CGI and all that stuff does look really good, honestly. Yeah. And when they do the outside, everything that's not in Wanda's little world is the stuff that I really like about it. Same. Except for this one. Like this episode, I was really looking forward to it. It's like, all right, this is going to be the longest one. They're really going to get into it. And they don't. It's literally backstory that we've had exposited to us already. It's 42 minutes of last time on WandaVision. Kind of, yeah. Okay. And like it doesn't go into any of the other characters that are that have been there. It even kind of confuses one point to me, actually. That was sort of in the one of the earlier episodes. Like hmm. of when she spo- I, I don't want to spoil it, I guess, for you. <laughs> Since I'm starting to watch it now. Yeah, but like it's the next episode has to be fucking incredible for me to ever be able to recommend this to people. Like so far, you can get the same amount of entertainment out of this, at least in my opinion, for somebody that like doesn't super love all these old sitcoms that they're doing. Like the best one was maybe the Malcolm in the Middle episode where they're doing that stuff. But that's only because like I have some fondness for Malcolm in the Middle, but not even that much. And like it's so it's so annoying because you can see where like love was put into it and like actual them actually really caring about it. And they just it's just not interesting. And I, it's not even because I don't like the characters. because I think Wanda and Vision are really fun. And I like uh, the actors and their portrayal and stuff. It's just I cannot get into this story. And are you it, saying that you don't like the well, you should see my my husband, Ralph. He's the laziest one of all. Yes. <laughs> like The thing is that this is setting up to be like a really big crux in like the whole next phase of the MCU. Right. But there's just nothing in it that I think people wouldn't get out of reading like a 10 minute Wikipedia article, honestly. Yeah. And I feel like it could be that too for people who don't want to slog through the entire episode. Like it probably could be explained in 10 to 20 minutes. It's it's super. And I'm sure that there are going to be people on YouTube out of all things that are going to detail everything that happens through the show. It's going to be so annoying. Probably. And that. I, I honestly don't know how they're going to wrap up all the story points. I don't think they will. I think that's going to be the catch because the next episode, episode nine, it's the last episode for the season. I don't think they're going to wrap up all the story points unless that's literally all the episode is, is like, all right, like smack my hands together, wipe off the dirt. That's it. Like I it's, there's a lot of problems with the show actually. And it's so insane to me that people are praising it so wildly because it's so obviously not, great in my opinion so it's really because weird it's marvel and people fucking just their pants over marvel <laughs> that's true that's true um <laughs> yeah. yeah here here's another thing though that me and liz watched was the sonic movie actually because it's on amazon prime so like fuck it uh i was i, I told her like hey um what do you want to watch sonic movie or the first half of lord of the rings extended cut return of the king and then I was like, okay, fine. For the 400th time. <laughs> it's really good. I haven't seen it in, I haven't seen Return of the King in 4K yet, so it's still just sitting there ready for me to uh, jizz on it, I guess. Gross. Yeah. That's really weird. <laughs> well, you do what you gotta do. Sometimes you just gotta get whipped, you know? Uh, <laughs> one thing that I forgot to say no. about the THX movie. Um, one thing about it I thought was really interesting because that movie was done in 1971. Uh, apparently it was remastered in 2004 whoever did the remaster of it did a a phenomenal job i bet i bet yeah 
Like I would be, I'm pretty sure that was actually filmed in 70 millimeter, like for how well it looks now. It was the seventies. So yeah. it was probably, it was either going to be 30 or 70, honestly. Yeah. But whoever did the remaster did a phenomenal job with it. Like it was easy to work with a lot of that. Cause like I said, a lot of the movie takes place in this weird white void, but they, it, it's just done well. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, because you brought up um, Return of the King in 4K, I'm pretty sure that was also remastered really well, too. That's why I thought about oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the best remaster I've ever seen. It looks phenomenal. It's the best 4K I've ever seen. Neat. Um, uh, the the whole Lord of the Rings thing, I don't know about Return of the King, because, again, uh, haven't haven't watched Return of the King yet. But the deal was like, hey, let's put on Sonic, and whenever this starts to really suck like most kids' movies like this do, we'll put on Return of the King. And then we just watched all of Sonic, actually. Like, it was super cute. And I didn't hate Sonic. And Jim Carrey was Jim Carrey. He was fine. Uh, I don't like that silliness of Jim Carrey. But if you do like that silly Jim Carrey, you get him in spades in this. And then, like, the story was a road trip movie, which I wasn't expecting. I thought it was just going to be, like, stuck in this town and the chaos or whatever. But, like, it's a road trip movie hmm. with Sonic. And it's kind of actually fun. Um... Did it go fast? Did anything go fast as you wanted? Yes, actually, it's an incredibly fast movie. <laughs> it good. is. Uh, he there's <laughs> literally references to all the Sonic memes. Like he's passed out at one point and wakes up and goes, "Gotta go fast!" and then runs around everything. Mm-hmm. Like a reference picture of him is the meme picture of that re- that one person's really bad Sonic drawing of like he's super fat and like has the weird spikes. The Sonic, yeah, <laughs> or, the, or no. The Chris Chan one, Sonic Chew, I think. I don't know. He's really Sonic fat. Sonic Chew. Ugh. Yeah. No, he, he, Sonic it's, Chew isn't fat. <laughs> it, it's really fat and has like dumb spikes. It's a meme. Like right. that meme picture is everywhere. Like that's in the movie as a reference as like the blue devil blur or whatever. Um, like the ring. Every 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 Sonic meme possible is referenced in it. But it, then it actually, for people who like Sonic, it also references the good stuff of Sonic. I don't like Sonic personally. I know it fairly well for the most part. Uh, well, I know I have a love hate relationship with it. I know it well. It's enough. really I, weird that the people that really love Sonic hate like all the Sonic games because <laughs> yeah. really bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, like, they just have this weird affection for it since they were like a kid, but like all yeah. the games really suck. <laughs> all the games do suck, even though people keep saying maybe they don't. I think they're wrong. Um. But yeah, I think it is the second best video game movie. The first being Detective Pikachu. I still need to watch both of those movies. Detective Pikachu is fucking adorable. Detective P- Pikachu is really good. It is. Like... It's really good. And Sonic, I honestly do think, is like right behind that in quality. It's just, it's really fun and really cute. And it pays homage to Sonic in ways that if you really like Sonic, I imagine you'll really enjoy and appreciate this. Okay. Or if you know Sonic well enough, I would say even. Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely have to watch both those movies. I actually I I never thought in my wildest <laughs> dreams I would say this, but I do recommend the Sonic movie. <laughs> I mean, you did shit on it a lot before you watched it. I did because I just shit on Sonic because Sonic sucks ass. <laughs> speaking of video, speaking of video game movies, what do you think about the Uncharted cast? Have you like read anything about it or anything? I know the two big ones with Nathan Drake being Tom Holland and then solely being Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, it's really Yeah, weird. I don't know about the like, Sully thing. They're both supposed to be like super young in it or something maybe? Yes, it because, is. Like, it's an origin story. Okay. 
So is it supposed to be like um, when it in the games where it sort of went back to earlier, but maybe like when Nathan Drake's like a little older? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, know. it's like it, from what I understand, it's literally supposed to be like, what if Nathan Drake on his first real adventure, uh, kind of thing, before he knows anything. I see. <laughs> Which is weird because in the games it does kind of show like. Hey, he's been stealing, doing like weird crypt stuff since he was like ten. Yeah, but like this is, I, I this is gonna be its own yeah. little thing. I think it's gonna retcon a lot of the games, which is fine. It can be its own thing. The games exist and they're great. But like this is gonna be essentially uh, him in his teens because Tom Holland looks very teeny still. He, people keep saying he's hot, and like I don't see it because he looks like he's fifteen. He does look 15. <laughs> You're right. It's really weird, <laughs> actually. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm but, kind of on board for it. I think I think that... it will be a generally okay movie. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think if anybody could save it, it would be Tom Holland, because he's honestly really talented. I don't know how I feel about seeing Mark Wahlberg in a mustache, though. That's gonna be very silly. Yeah, he has you think that. He's mustache. gonna have a mustache. Yeah. You think he does? There, there was already costume because the movie's been shot and filmed. It's, it's being, oh. it's in post production right now. Um, huh. yeah, <laughs> they finished it up uh, <laughs> mid pandemic, I think. Like right after some of the restrictions came out, they like shot a bunch of it in like two weeks and then got done with it. Um, but yeah, like Mark Wahlberg just has a giant fucking mustache. You see, uh, he put it. There was a picture of him in his costume. He was in a mustache and he had a giant cigar. Looked very silly. I don't know if he's going to be able to pull off being like supportive and fun like Sully. Yeah. But <laughs> Sully is like, he's like sort of rough and tumble ish. Like, he's probably seen some shit. And Mark Ruffalo, like, not Mark Ruffalo, Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Oh, Mark Wahlberg. Okay, yes. that's even weirder. Yeah. <laughs> I think I would prefer Mark, Mark Ruffalo to Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. I had Mark Ruffalo in my head. I don't know why. That would be that uh, would be even worse casting. <laughs> um Mark or god damn it. Mark Wahlberg is also a nerd. <laughs> so. I mean, Mark Wahlberg is like your most bro dude. Actor, he is. It's so, like that's what's weird because yeah. Sully it's is not so bro weird. dude. He's like anti bro dude. Yeah. Yeah, very much. <laughs> so that's weird. <laughs> but I'm I'm interested in it. I'm definitely. I hope to go to the cinemas and watch it when it's out in cinemas. Yeah. Keep keep dreaming. Keep I'm dreaming. really dreaming. Because also, cautiously <laughs> optimistic. Yeah. Also mentioning Tom Holland. Um the uh, official title for the next Spider-Man came out, which there was a bunch of joke titles out like uh, Spider-Man phone home and stuff like that. Um, It's Spider-Man no way home is what it's called. Um, I do believe that's the official title. I'll probably look it up here in a second, but yeah, uh, that's supposed to be out this December theaters only not on streaming services at all. So Disney seems to have high hopes that theaters will be up and running again in this it, it, by the end of the year, I guess. We can hope so. Right, because they're going to need to make theater money if they want to make money back on fucking Spider-Man. Right. Because that was the licensing nightmare for them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, speaking of which, of um, 
There is a newer movie that was in theaters and on streaming services that me and Dry were going to talk about. Oh, uh, yeah. I talked about it a little bit yeah. uh, when I watched it, but Robbie finally watched it. Um, yeah, that was the fourth movie that I watched this week. Yeah, I. the more I think about it, the more I really don't like it. Yeah, it's... Uh, I remember you what saying you don't... Uh, well, Stop around the bush, bush what is it? <laughs> That's I'll, exactly what this movie is, is beating around the bush. I'll beat around wherever I want to beat around. <laughs> Giggity. Sometimes you got to get whipped. <laughs> um, it's that movie, The Little Things. The oh, one with, well. yeah, the ones with uh, Denzel Washington, um, Jared Leto, Jared Leto, and Rami, Rami Malek. Malek yes. Leto. Yeah, that movie, like, the thing Rami about that movie is I, I like after that movie ended, I remember you saying that you hated movies that waste your time. And I feel like this movie very much just wastes your time. It super does. Also, uh, Sean in the chat is saying he just saw that a couple hours ago. So very fresh take from him. Yeah. Very frustrated. He says, yeah, same with us. <laughs> same with us. Yeah. Like that movie would have flopped. So like if, if we would have went to theaters to watch that movie, I would have been pissed. I would have been fucking livid if I saw that in theaters. Yeah. If I paid money for that, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Because <laughs> like the so, thing is. Why? Yeah. Okay. Tell me. Yeah. So the thing about <laughs> it is I actually really like Jared Leto and his role in this because he pulls off creepy, maybe serial killer really well. Yeah. Like I feel like what he was with this movie is what he wanted to be with the Joker on Suicide Squad, but he had more to work with on this movie. Yeah. And that's another thing that's frustrating about it is that he actually does come off as, yeah, that creepy, maybe serial killer guy, but you just don't know. Yeah. Because like he does a lot of, like he is weird and creepy in it, but he also like goes out of his way to like say thank you and please to every single person that he talks to. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's very actively fucking with the police during this investigation. But here's the thing. I think that they severely underutilized their Denzel Washington. Yeah. Or like something was lost in editing. Something happened here because you get like the very serious Denzel Washington. But in like two seconds later, it'll cut and he's like laughing and then it'll cut again and he's super serious. Like something weird happened in editing or there was like some sort of script problem or something. Because, like, I feel like if you're going to use Denzel, right, you you want him to be super serious, Denzel, like, fucking badass. Even though he's older, like, I think he still can pull it off when he needs to. Yeah. Or, like, you want, like, really serious, like, confident Denzel. And they try to get both of them in here, and, like, his performance just doesn't mesh with his own performance. I mean, to be fair, he does a very good job of, be, uh, of playing a broken man in yeah. this movie. Yeah, he does a bit. very good job of doing that. But like, uh, that's another thing. Like, the characters are good in this movie. Like, I did like the characters. They did a very good job with them. But there's like, this movie does a really good job of building up nothing. And then yeah. it just drops off into nothing. Yeah. But like, the other thing is, I have a weird like love-hate relationship with Rami Malek. I don't know if he's a good actor. <laughs> <laughs> like, occasionally he does something that I really enjoy. And then he'll do something I'm like... He clearly just is going off the cuff on everything here. Like he didn't practice for this role at all. Like uh, until Don, he's in that game. Like I just thought he was super fucking weird in that game. Like not convincing at all. Um, and That's then the Bohemian only thing Rap- I really know him. That's the only thing I really know him from is until Don. But like I know he's been in a lot of things since. Yeah, yeah. like oh, he before. he was in Bohemian Rhapsody. 
And I think he did a really good job there, though he just kind of did the thing he had to do. I don't think he was a great... I, he did not deserve the award he got for that because <laughs> he got like best actor for that one Okay, that year. I do not think he deserved that at all. Um, And then like this to where like I don't buy him in this movie as being this the hot shot detective that works on every homicide case and busts it like in a day. Like I don't fucking buy him as being the dude who gets the job done at all on top of that i don't buy that he would ever involve denzel's washington character in the case at all there's no reason there's literally no reason to do it everybody hates him there's no reason why and he's just like you know what though i want to hang out with this guy and have him just on my fucking crime scenes and like there's no reason there's no reason for it at all more or less, yeah, I do agree with you on that. Like that's, the- I think with like, it is kind of plot convenience that Denzel Washington is on these cases, but like, it is like, especially with like that thing is like, oh, like we never would have caught this in the case or for this case. So the fact that there's might have been someone who was watching this this entire time, or uh, but you caught that because you realize that there's a, was a window open on and a chair in the other building. Wow, like right, which. Maybe could have been cool if there was a payoff. Yeah. But that's the other big problem yeah, with that's, this movie. That was the thing that pissed me off the most. That there's like zero payoff at the end of this movie. And like not in, not a payoff like they really pulled the rug out from under you. It's no payoff as in they're building this up the entire movie. And at the end of the movie, everything is exactly the same as when it started. Yeah. There's literally no. If you watch the first five minutes of this movie and then turned it off you would get the same exact character development as if you watched the entire movie. Yeah. Because the last 30 minutes, there's like almost no fucking dialogue, which also did not work for this movie at all, because I don't think that these characters were very good at working with no dialogue, honestly. Considering most of this movie is them sitting in a car and talking to each other. Yeah. And so like whenever most of this has to be like them crying and like, fuck it, I'm going to spoil it. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I think we're kind of working towards spoiling this movie. Anyways. Yeah. So, like, the end of it is, um, what's his name? Jared Leto. Yeah. Jared Leto is, like, takes out the Rami Malek's character to the desert, basically. And he's like, I'll show you where I hid the body after he's been, like, fucking with him the entire movie. And so he, like, takes him out to this thing. He's like, I think I buried him here. And, like, Rami Malek digs it up. He's like, no, no, I think it was over here. So Rami Malek digs that up. He's like, actually, I think it was over here. And then Rami Malek kills him. Yeah. Well, what it was is like there's this exposition of like uh, it's really weird, but in a weird way, kind of works for his characters. He's like, "How about you stop digging? If we go back now, maybe we have time for tacos." Like, yeah, like it works for his character. Yeah. But like he straight up tells him, like, "It's like here's the truth. I never killed anyone in my entire life. I've been messing with you this entire time because you guys will not leave me alone. Yeah. So maybe we should just go home now." And then like starts talk like he decides he's going to start digging deeper because he realizes he's getting under his, this detective skin finally. And then starts talking about his daughters and his wife and everything and where he lives. And it pisses him off and he hits him in the face of the shovel hard enough to kill him. Yes. And that's it. Uh, Jared Leto's character is just dead. Yeah. After this. And then there's like Denzel Washington goes and finds him and he like sees him crying on the ground with Jared Leto uh, there just dead. And he's like, all right, here's the thing. I'm going to fix this. You just stay here. And so like Denzel Washington goes through the whole thing. I'm not going to go through every detail, but he basically fixes it to where no crime happened. Right. He hides all the evidence, does everything he can to hide the evidence. And it makes it look like uh, the character Jared Little was playing like 
ran out of town basically yeah and like left left without saying goodbye to everybody and took all of his belongings is essentially what denzel washington's character makes it look like and then you get this thing because there's this whole thing through the movie of like a red bow one of the victims that are missing had a red bow uh the latest victim uh she had a red beret that she would like or keep her hair up while she was jogging yeah and she went and she disappeared while she went out jogging yeah is what it was and so the rami malik's character is like looking he wants to find this this red beret and like that's that's the smoking gun basically yeah that's what's going to prove that jared little's character did it and so um there's also this other mystery about Denzel Washington, like why everybody hates him, but that's honestly boring. I'm not even well, going like, to that. That whole thing is like, cause they're saying like the last case that he worked was the case that basically broke him as a person. Yeah. And it, it, you think yeah. that it's because like, he like went through this whole thing of like, he just found out who killed these people or like he got close to finding out who killed all these people a bunch of years ago, but really it was, he accidentally killed somebody and then abandoned the case because he accidentally killed somebody. Yeah. It's honestly a really bad payoff also it is like it's one of those because it makes it seem like because they say that he went through a divorce and had a heart attack and lost his career over this case and you think it's because he was over obsessing and like he just can't let it go and it turns out that he just feels super guilty about killing someone on accident and like that's kind of like that's why it's called the little things is because he says it's the little things that will destroy you in the end yeah um but yeah so denzel washington like hides it all and he tells ronnie malik's character like again the little things you have to be real detail on little things because the little things that are going to give you away it's the little things that'll get you caught which is actually a pretty good speech yeah but the problem is um that he sends a letter to rami malik he's like rami malik's character hanging out by the pool with his kid and he sends a letter to him and in the letter in the envelope there's like that little red beret and you're like oh man jared little really did do it and then you see that denzel washington's character just went to a dollar store and bought like this red beret clip and sent it to him yeah, he bought it in a four pack because there's like three other ones and the yeah. red one's missing off of it. Yeah, and so he burns all the evidence that he did that. He burns all of Jared Leto's character's things. And then the movie ends. Yeah. That's it. So yeah, they never find the killer. They they never have an inkling of who the actual real killer, killer is throughout the entire movie. Uh, and they just kill an innocent man because he's creepy. Yeah. Like that's, that's literally And then it, it ends. <laughs> like you don't get like, maybe it was this other guy they were investigating. There's nobody they investigate the entire time. It's just him. And you don't get to even have a hint of who it could have been. I mean, the closest you get to that is there's another guy who is attached to the old case. And whenever they bring it up again, he doesn't want to deal with it. And he kills himself. Yeah. And maybe him. But like that, like once he kills himself, he's just out of the movie. Yeah, that's it. He's gone. Done. Like there's there's so many ways they could have done it better. Like the one thing that I thought of would have actually made the movie like would have been a really good twist at the end of it is if. Uh, Denzel Washington was the killer the entire time and that, that's why he had the red beret yeah, that would have been better that would have made the ending so much better it wouldn't have been like the smoking gun to make this a good movie automatically but it would have been better than what they actually did yeah and they set up the red herring early on too um, of like they keep saying that the killer has these really great fancy boots and multiple times it's brought up that Denzel Washington's character has really nice boots yeah but that that's literally just a red herring like it doesn't go anywhere it seems like the, the screenwriter was setting up that Denzel Washington was going to be the killer. And he's like, actually, I don't like that ending. What if I make nothing happen? Yeah. Like in a weird way, uh, the issues I had at the ending of this is like the same issues I had with the ending of the third season of True Detective. But this is worse, like way worse. But I think True Detective the entire like, time. There was at least a payoff at the end of that one. It just it was what like what made me 
pissy about the ending of the third season of true detective is like they build up all these horrible things that could happen and then like at the very end to go like well it looks like it wasn't as bad as we thought like that was my whole big thing about that yeah like i think that one the reason why i like season three so much is just the sadness of yeah like character development yeah the character development is really really good for season three but like i said it's the same with this one the character development is pretty good they have some really good scenes in there they have some really good moments in there and then there's zero payoff at the end of it is the problem with this movie yeah sean in chat is saying uh, all the little things irresponsible storytelling it is um yeah because like the ending just the fact that it refuses to give you anything yeah in any direction at all is such garbage because at the end of this they're still a killer on the loose and they still have no idea who it is and now they have no one to investigate who this killer is yeah which like maybe realistic, but like none of the rest of the movie was that. Yeah. So go eat a dick. <laughs> like, I honestly. mean, this is this is the kind of story that would be an exposition of like, oh yeah, like two detectives went crazy trying to find this killer and no one knows who it is, and then they move on with the actual story. You know what this is? This entire movie is the first half of True Detective season one. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, like literally. But, like, there's that's the thing. The first season of true detective has so much payoff though. This yes. has zero payoff. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like if, if all of true detective season one was just like the first five episodes, that's what this is kind of, that's yeah. what this movie is. And that's not like if good. Yeah. If the, fir- if true detective basically ended with like, well, we have nothing and now they're not partners anymore. Moving on to season two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what this is. It's awful. Yeah. But yeah, like ugh, that movie did frustrate me too. Cause I really, really wanted to like it. And the first half of The Little Things sets up to be a movie that you're going to like. And then it gives you the most frustrating ending possible. Yeah. And not in a good way. Like, there's ways to make a frustrating ending good still. Yes. Yeah, you can do that. Like, Seven, I think, is one of those movies yeah. that, like, frustrates you, but, like, in a good way. Yeah, that that's actually the perfect example. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, that's what this movie reminded me of a lot, yeah. too. Because there is a payoff at the end of Seven, but it's the payoff is the bad guy wins at the end of that one. Spoilers yeah. for... A movie that was in the 90s. Yeah, I think it's like a 30-year-old movie now. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, Kyrie says in chat, movie was lame. Can't wait for Cherry. Uh, what's Cherry? I also don't know. Same. I feel like I should know that. Um, movie on Apple TV coming out in March. Yeah, okay. okay. Never heard of it. Um, I feel like I should know I'll what that is. about a movie I, I hated, too. Oh, go for it. Holland. Yeah. yeah, Sam, go for it. Okay, so I watched a movie on Netflix called I Care A Lot. It's new-ish. Actually, I think oh, yeah, I've new. been wanting to watch that. Um, I don't. Because <laughs> I'm oh. just going to spoil it for you here. So. Okay. <laughs> so basically, it annoys me because, like, okay, they're strong, this strong, independent, lesbian woman. Um, As you do. She just has her career and all that. And you're like, I feel like um, you're supposed to root for her or they want you to root for her um, but she's really this awful person because her career is basically um, taking advantage of old people right I remember the trailer <laughs> yeah um, but anyway she takes advantage of the wrong old person which is Peter Dinklage's 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 Peter- <laughs> um, 
Peter, yeah, man, saying his name like that. Peter Dinklage sounds fine. Peter Dinklage's sounds real weird. I know, right? <laughs> anyway, everyone knows who Peter Dinklage is. <laughs> so it's um his daughter, not his real daughter in real life, just in the movie. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, she basically does this thing where she like legally um makes it so like if there's an old person that doesn't have anybody to care for them and they can't take care for them take care of themselves um she sets them up in a nursing home usually fancy uh-huh. um, and she gets control of all of their assets and pretty much their whole life in the nursing home so her so scam becomes- is basically she's robbing from old people that can't really do anything about it. So um, she becomes like a uh, power of attorney over old people that have no other living relatives or yeah. something. Okay. Yeah. So she's really shitty, but they like try to make you feel like you should root for her. And ugh, it's gross. Anyway, <laughs> um, she fucks with the wrong lady. Peter Dinklage. It sounds like a cuss word when you say it like that. It's really weird. It's, uh, um, you drop a plate of food on the, uh, on the floor and ah, Dinklage's. <laughs> so it's his daughter, but they're both like, for some thing, reason, they fled from a country or something. I don't fucking know what they did. I don't, I wasn't paying that much attention. But anyway, um, they both have different names, and he's like this big crime boss now that has like power, all kinds of power. So like, all um, the power. Like legally, there's no familial connections to this woman, mm-hmm. um, but they still meet up like once a week or something like that. Uh, and and she didn't make this one, so. Uh, they, you know, they track her down and track down the lady that did it. And Peter Dinklage is like, I'm going to fuck up your life if you don't give me my mom back. And she was like, whatever. Well, actually, somebody came into her office and like offered her $150,000 and then basically said, well, if you don't take this, then you're going to regret not taking it. Um, and she was like, whatever you have to offer me more than that so you have to buy me off with more than that <laughs> and with more than that <laughs> yeah basically that's uh that's the whole thing um, <laughs> anyway so he fucks up her life <laughs> he like um because there's a doctor that's also in it on it to like diagnose these old people so that um it makes it seem like they are not able to take care of themselves. So she can whatever, fuck with their lives and put them in a nursing home, take all their money. Um, yeah. So um, they kill the doctor lady first. Um, and then she's like, oh shit. Uh, I don't think they're fucking with me. <laughs> and they also go after her girlfriend and try to kill her. They almost kill the girlfriend, but don't, you know. Basically, they got out of it happily ever after After that. Uh, sort of. Sort of. Because then she has a meeting 
with Peter Dinklage. Oh, the old lady. They get the old lady out somehow. I don't know. It's in there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't sound fun the way you're describing it. It's not really. It sounds lame. <laughs> I feel like that's that's kind of the theme of this uh, live cast is we're just yeah. ruining the plots to movies we think are bad. Yeah. Anyway, um, by the end of it, um, her and Peter Dinklage like go into business together. They're like, we can make this whole. Uh, he's like, we can make this whole big, huge, like nationwide, um, old people scam. <laughs> <laughs> Then she's like, okay, <laughs> let's do it. So, like, at the end, like, there's this, she's, like, doing this interview on TV. And they're, like, you know, interviewing her. You're, like, a super powerful woman. You got super powerful overnight. And you're just, like, so good in, like, feminism. Yay. Yay. <laughs> and so, like, you just think it's going to, I'm going to, like, spoil the ending here. Um, and so you think it's gonna, she walks out and you think it's gonna end up just like scams all these people. Yeah. <laughs> Not really scams them, basically just like robs them. Um, but anyway, she gets shot by somebody, <laughs> um, from earlier on in the movie. Um, she had his mother in in the hospital and wasn't allowing him to see her so he was very angry about it so anyway it comes to oh, the end and while she's bleeding out on the sidewalk the guy walks over her or over her dying body and says get dinklages <laughs> get dinklaged <laughs> get dinklaged <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I might still watch it. It looks stylish enough. Maybe I'll enjoy it. Are you supposed to be like cheering for her this whole time? That's what I felt like at some points, but at some points they like definitely show off how like horrible she actually is. But then they're like feminism and you know strong. <laughs> feminism means it's okay to rob old people. I think that's yeah, what, that works actually. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna say <laughs> this is the plot. Of season two of Better Call Saul. <laughs> I've not seen it. So. Yeah, you're right. Except for in Better Call Saul, um, you're rooting for Saul because he's fighting the evil person taking advantage of the old people. Oh. No, she's just the person taking advantage of the old people. <laughs> right. I think this is Better Call Saul, but from the lawyer's point of view. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, if you want to watch it, watch it, but... Well, I'm going to spoil the whole thing. Right? <laughs> That's fine. I might check it out still. It looks stylish <laughs> enough. Um, I was going to say real quick, uh, Muppets still really great. I'm still really enjoying those little snippets that I'm watching here and there. It's on Disney Plus. I really highly recommend people go and watch it. It's so much fun. It's just, especially with like a bunch of the other stuff that I've been watching recently. It's just plain stupid fun with dumb jokes and like lovable Muppet characters. And it's just fun. It's yeah. good stuff still. I mean, from having a week of like watching the little things in 70s dystopian movies, I might have to like just have a week where I watch Detective Pikachu and Sonic. You should that would be such a good double feature, honestly. <laughs> that would be so much that yeah, I yeah, I highly recommend that. Okay. Um 
I might ha- hopefully I have time to do that. Yeah. So here's another thing that uh, I want to talk about. Do you guys remember when I brought up that bad Ben movie where he like filmed it on his cell phone? He was trying to. Sell house oh yeah. 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 I've done some more research. Um, okay. <laughs> he started making those in 2017 or late 2016. I, one of those two. How many I, are there? I say those because he's made seven of them. Jesus. Like, are they basically all the same shot with his fucking iPhone or whatever? I don't know. I haven't watched them. I don't. I kind of want to, but I also really <laughs> don't want this guy to get more money because I don't think he's going to stop doing it anytime soon. Um, let me <laughs> let me open up the IMDb for it real quick. It's just his like real estate business doing these fucking <laughs> right. <laughs> oh no, is that a ghost sitting on this very large bay window where you can see the cityscape or in the sunset? <laughs> Man, he would be real comfortable if he was doing that. Anyway, <laughs> um, that so, yeah. make for a very good parody of a ghost movie. <laughs> I think it actually might be more than seven. Let me see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven. No, wait. So one, two, making... three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's made eight. Eight from, and he started in 2017. Um, 2016, late 2016. Okay, so, so... Two a year then. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it started off with Bad Ben in 2016, which people seem to be kind of iffy on that one. It has like a 5.4. It's a middle of the road movie. Um, everyone's like, yeah, this is like kind of funny. It's kind of it, there's like a couple of spots that are inadvertently spooky, actually, which I think I brought that up too when I was talking about it. Like there's that one scene that I think was kind of OK, I think accidentally OK, but it was kind of OK. Um, I still have not finished it. Um but then he just apparently kept doing it. So after Bad Ben, he immediately followed up with Steelmanville Road, which is a prequel. <laughs> I'm going to read you the description to all these, by the way. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, prequel is Rachel Harris and her husband, Matt, move into their new home only to experience a barrage of paranormal and increasingly aggressive activity. Um, I'm guessing he wrote the description that way so that when people look up paranormal activity, this movie pops up. <laughs> after that he did batter ben the final chapter I, he made eight of these and he called the third one the final chapter oh my god of course he did um, Ben four <laughs> electric boogaloo it may as well um description on this one a team of paranormal investigators returned to the steelmanville road property to make a documentary about what happened there the next one bad ben the mandela effect Tom Riley wins a new home as part of a sheriff's sale, but all is not what it seems. These are all almost feature length, by the way. The first one's 126, the the prequel's 134, the third one is 125. The Mandela Effect one is uh, good enough to only be uh, an hour and seven minutes long. Um, After that, the Crescent Moon Clown... Which is, this one doesn't even make sense. It takes place in the same exact home. But this doesn't seem like it follows any of the Bad Ben stuff at all. Well, that's because uh, he was living in the same place for like a year. Maybe he finally <laughs> sold it. No, he it takes place in the same home. Oh. 
but it like doesn't follow what the other plots are at all. Here, let me see. Unexplained. Wait, does things... all take place in? Do all the movies take place in the exact same home or no? Yes, exact same home. Oh, okay. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, unexplained things start happening to a family when they move into their new home, but the source of evil appears to emanate from a clown doll found in a box. Like that doesn't have anything to do with what the original plot is of like a family being tortured in a basement and their ghosts haunting everything. Maybe it's a doll that's torturing them in the basement. Maybe. Um, Bad Ben, the way in. A new owner of the home on Steelmanville Row has hired Tom Riley to go back into the home to rid it of all the malevolent forces prior to removing her family in. Tom returns alone and finds himself battling nine demons. That's the official description. Nine. <laughs> Not yeah, there's nine of them, I guess. Nine of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh this one actually has a number at the end of it. Bad Ben Seven, the Haunted Highway. Um, doesn't even take place at the fucking house now, I guess. Tom Riley has a new job now as a rideshare driver for drop you off service, and the strange new experiences he has driving his clients on Halloween night. 2019 are all captured on his dash cam, body cam, and surveillance cameras. <laughs> Among them, okay, a young woman so we... carrying a suspicious parcel, a witch, and an unfriendly scarecrow. So we got an Uber job as a side job. Yeah. We got, we got an Uber <laughs> job. Uh, hey, might as well film it. <laughs> I mean, apparently he picked up the cast members of Wizard of Oz, so it works. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Sean says bad Ben goes to space. That's probably next. <laughs> that has to be next, right? Um, I wish. <laughs> next is the longest one in the series, and that came out and was produced in 2020 during the pandemic. Um, I don't know if you guys will be able to guess what the name of this one is. Um, it's called Bad Ben Pandemic. Oh boy. <laughs> it's almost two hours long. Why? And it is, is it one of those in his house, just like <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know those Zoom call movies and like those Skype oh, movies oh, that God. I how much I hate. He decided yeah. he was good enough to do one of those. <laughs> Who agreed to um, do that with him, yeah. or is it just like different? Uh, it looks like a lot of, people, of like, him. Honestly, I think he's made a lot of money off these because he hired a bunch of fucking actors in this one. I guess. Uh, here's the description: God. The world is in turmoil. Paranormal events are at a peak, and now a global pandemic. Tom Riley offers his services via video chat to people trying to determine whether they are experiencing something paranormal. What are his services? <laughs> what, is, what are his services? What does he do? We I mean, were eight movies deep at this point in time. Maybe he's had a couple job changes. I genuinely think that at this point he is trying to like create a badass persona of himself in these movies who is like a demon ghost hunter guy. <laughs> oh my god. Because there's Constantine, uh, and then there's Bad Ben. Honestly, I, I also want you, everybody who's listening to this in the archive or live, Sam, I want you to look up Bad Ben on IMDb, and I want you to look okay. up all of the movie covers. They look like fucking dog shit. I'm going to show <laughs> you, Robbie. Just go oh, and okay. scroll and look at all of these here. Yeah, I was going to look it up on my phone, but... They it just is... look like the most fucking. He just took I... shitty cell phone pictures. Yeah, and then house. just like and then... went into like and... PowerPoint and put words over a picture. Not even that. He just used like his fucking 
stylus from his phone to fucking write Bad Ben on it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yep, that's the cover. <laughs> I'm a fucking genius. <laughs> Man. Yeah, like okay, it's... So... so Bad Ben the way in has... It looks like a parody almost. Right, but like all of them, from what I can tell, are like serious. There's one of them where he claims is a spoof of Haunted House movies, but I think that's him just trying to like capture that people don't like them. Maybe? Yeah, like, I was sort of like online. Tommy was so did with the room where people like like started laughing at it. He's like, oh, it's a dark comedy. It's not supposed to be serious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like he's like trying to like use people's like goodwill off of it and be like that's what I meant the whole time yeah. and he clearly didn't <laughs> um, like I, I, I do not fucking doubt if he's able to buy a goddamn green screen we're gonna get Bad Ben goes to space I fucking guarantee it there's no way he doesn't Bad Ben and space goes coast to coast oh definitely <laughs> um it looks like he got a tripod for the cover of Batter Ben, the final <laughs> chapter. <laughs> yeah, you see that with tripods were at that point. <laughs> it's just a shot from a shot of him on top of on top of like the stair landing <laughs> in his <laughs> robe and underwear up. and slippers. Which, by the way, that's almost his entire outfit through the entire well, of what I've seen of Bad Ben. <laughs> He's just in his fucking boxers, like he didn't. <sighs> gotta save on wardrobe and like you know what annoys me i think half of this is like i'm like playing right into it like he knows their shit and he just doesn't give yeah. a shit like, he has to know uh, it. like he's probably just he knows their shit but he's making he's money shit. yeah <laughs> yeah like all of this is because i watched hell house llc and was surprised by it and so i've been trying to find hidden gems of like found footage movies and this is definitely not it this is not it <laughs> but honestly I kind of want to watch them all. <laughs> I'm going to hate it. Yeah. I, I already... There's a masochistic sense of you that wants to watch these movies. Here's some trivia for um, the bad, the first Bad Ben movie. It says trivia. Nigel Bach, which is the guy that plays Bad Ben, I'm guessing, and came up with all Nigel the dialogue Bach. on the spot. <laughs> and then it says Nigel Bach performed his own stunts in the movie. Nigel Bach came up with all the dialogue on the spot. Oh, Nigel, Nigel Bach's home in the movie is actually his real home. You don't say. <laughs> he just went and put all those fun facts in himself. He's like, he did. Nigel he totally Bach, did. Fun fact, Nigel Bach is a handsome and sexy man. He's <laughs> <laughs> <It's> not. <laughs> no, no, he is not. Um, one little quick thing before we get out of here. Because I've been on this whole thing of trying to find good found footage movies, I also found something called the Blackwell Ghost, which I didn't hate. Um, which improvement? Yes, improvement. <laughs> um, it. I. Here's the annoying thing. I bought in for like the first for the the whole thing. I bought in of it being a documentary because it sells itself as being a true documentary. The guy uses his own name, his own identity. He straight up says, like, I'm trying to make this documentary about hunting ghosts. Uh, I'm, I usually produce zombie movies, and I'm shit at that, so I thought I would try my hand at this. And, like, I looked up his IMDb, and sure enough, yeah, he's produced a bunch of zombie movies, and then this, and, like, a bunch of Blackwell things. Blackwell Ghost Stories sequels. 
And so like, okay, this is a documentary then. He like went for documentaries after this. And like I kept looking it up, kept looking it up, and I'm watching it. And like while I was watching it the other day, Liz walks downstairs, she's like, What are you watching? I start explaining the whole thing to her. And it's like right at the end of the movie. Which all of these Blackwell ghost movies, there's five of them now, I think. They're only an hour long. So they're blissfully short, if anything. Right. But the first one actually fucking had me going for a little bit of like, this is pretty convincing if it's real. Like, this is really <laughs> fucking creepy if it's real. Because it's like nothing crazy. Because they like go to this house and it's supposed to be haunted. And they like do this interview with this guy. And then he like goes off to Norway or Bangkok or something like that. And he lets them stay at his house. And so they paranormal activity and shit <laughs> out of it. Get a bunch of GoPros, put them up everywhere. And at this point, I'm still thinking like, this is a documentary. Cool. Uh, it's real simple, like real weird, real like kind of ramshackle. It feels like a bad documentary, whatever. Um, and then the first night happens uh, after like all these ghost stories that the owners tells them about, like there's banging in the house and stuff like that and creaking on the floors. And the first night, like nothing happens. Second night, there's this big bang. Um, and then he goes downstairs and all the ovens are on and uh the alarms are going off and stuff like that. And the basement door is open because in the basement, there's this sewer grate. That's actually a well, um, which looking at it, you, I could see that it, it was not that. Um, but again, I, I, they, they, he sold me on it. Like he, I was convinced enough. Like if I didn't look up anything on the internet, I could have believed this was a documentary. So kudos for this guy. He, he fucking sold me on it for a little while. Um, but yeah, he like closes the basement door when he's going to the stove, turns everything off. Um, goes back to walk upstairs to tell his wife not to call the fire department actually and the basement door is open again He's, so I was like that was actually a pretty creepy scare like actually I'm going to say that is actually a really good moment in this movie even knowing that it's just a movie now right um, it's actually just really well done Um, and so he like locks the basement door now it's locked can't be opened again goes upstairs tells his wife not to call the fire department nothing so boom done um Next night happens, all the power goes out and he ends up like going to the basement or no, going downstairs and the basement is unlocked again. And he like goes down there and there's nothing down there and he's like looking around and then he like gets freaked out because there's a ball. Like it's, it's honestly, it's pretty, it's lame to talk, like describe it because really <laughs> nothing happens in this hour. Honestly, if we're being honest, it's like very small little so, like, paranormal thing. activity. Yes. Yeah. Except actually more than paranormal activity. I'll say that. Um, but oh. it's only an hour long. <laughs> so it's pretty reasonable, I would say. Um, but it had me going. Like, I was like, if this is real, this is makes sense. Cause like nothing's fucking happening, but it's enough to be a little spooky. And then doing <laughs> research and like looking at the effects of it, you're like, oh, this is clearly extremely fake. Uh, also, that's a huge prop. Also, looking at the IMDb page, the only person other than like him and his wife in this is a dude who's an actor who's done like a hundred other movies. So <laughs> after just a little bit of research found out like, yeah, super extremely fake. But I do think that like at the, I think it's like the 40 minute mark or 35 minute mark. There's a pretty good spooky part with the basement door being open. And it's a small little subtle thing. But if you allow yourself to like think you're in this world, like it works pretty well. I think uh, there's a bunch of other movies that maybe I'll check out and knowing that they're fake. Uh, I'll go into them with that mindset and maybe not be a, a rube and uh, fall for his tricks. Uh, <laughs> yes. Fair. Yes. Um, let's let's do a recap. What did we talk about this episode? We talked about WandaVision. 
uh, talked about the blackout experiments, talked about the Sonic movie, uh, talked about Logan's run, mm-hmm. talked about THX 1138. Yes. Um, talked about, or talked about, ex- in the ex- not extends, existence. <laughs> <laughs> existence extends. See, now it's in your head forever, too. <laughs> mm, 90s movies. <laughs> um, we talked about. Fucking... I would say we talked about soiling green, but I we care a lot. Green. <laughs> I I care a lot. Talked about I care a lot. Mentioned soiling green. Um. Oh, actually, there is something I forgot to talk about. Uh, I watched a documentary on the last blockbuster. It's literally just a documentary okay. about the last blockbuster that's in Ogden, Utah. Utah? I think I don't know if it'd be in Ogden, Utah. I, I remember hearing. I want to say is somewhere in Idaho, but. Ogden, Idaho, maybe it's Ogden, something Ogden. Yeah, I was gonna say because there is an Ogden, Utah, but Some I don't think there's a blockbuster there. Because I used to go to Ogden all the time whenever I lived in uh, Utah. It's either Ogden, Utah, or Ogden, Idaho, Ogden something. But yeah, I will Google this really quick. Um, the whole documentary is literally just about that, and uh, it made me extremely nostalgic for movie places. I'm gonna say. And for the times when we would like when our movie place in our little tiny town had a, a five, five, five deal of uh, $5 for five old movies for five days. <laughs> and then we would watch all those movies in like two days. It's um, Bend, Oregon. Yeah. Bend, Oregon. I was close. Ogden, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> there, you know, I was close. There were also letters in the thing I said. So <laughs> basically the same. Of fucking... Oregon with all the hipsters. Um, they're still functioning right now in the out pandemic. Of date media. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Excuse you, ma'am. Uh, but no, no like the... it's real cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <hate> you. <laughs> I'm kidding. Actually, it is weird that there's still a blockbuster that exists. <laughs> yeah, but like it, they a dish bought out blockbuster. There, I, uh, there's actually a lot of cool things that I learned in that movie that I didn't know before. I highly recommend it. Uh, the last blockbuster. Very entertaining documentary about the last blockbuster. Really good stuff, actually. A lot of celebrity interviews and like their memories of blockbuster. Hmm. Yeah. Um, what else did we talk about? Was that it? That was about it. Um, I don't know, maybe. More? Bad Ben. Bad Ben talked about Bad Ben a lot too. <laughs> yes. Oh, right. Bad Ben Eight is just a recap of all the other Bad Ben movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that would be so so bad. If the next Batman he makes is just a clip show, <laughs> it's just gonna be like one of those movies that like shows fucking um scenes from the old movies. Like it's half yeah. fucking <laughs> just a compilation. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Well. Uh, if anybody is listening live or listening to the archive, if you want to get a hold of us, you can do that on social media. Uh, where's that, Sam? Um, the last ones in, last ones in podcast. Um, one of those on Instagram <laughs> and Facebook. <laughs> use the search function. I know you know how to use it. Um, or you can. Where else? Twitter. Twitter as yeah. well. It's there. It's there somewhere. Gotta look for it sometimes. 
you're this fucking like, smart. I know you can do it. I fucking know you can do it. Well, I gave it to you, <laughs> Sam. You're just really great at just advertising this. <laughs> I have faith in our listeners. Thank you. <laughs> also, if you want to send us an email, um, it's the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Yep. The last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Correct. Is that and, all? Uh, that's that's it. You did it. Okay. Yeah, you finished it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robbie, take us out of here. So, if you're still in the affected areas of the cold front, do what you can to stay warm. I know things are getting better, but we're not quite out of the storm yet. Also, speaking of which, if you're out and about, make sure to stay six feet apart. Make sure to wear your mask. Wash your hands for at least 20 seconds. But if not, do what you can to stay home, stay alone, stay alive. And whether it's the very first time you've ever heard of us or you've been with us since the very beginning, thank you for listening. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, everybody, for always being here in the chat. It's great fun interacting with you guys. Um, yeah. Uh, we'll be back next week. With a bunch of stuff to talk about, I already know that. Yeah. And uh yeah. Maybe a less wobbly table. Maybe. I doubt it. <laughs> Alright. Everybody have a great night. Talk to you later. Bye! Bye! Bye.